We are back this week with an epic, truly epic Q&A. I have some voicemails to go over, and I also scoured the interwebs for you to find some good questions. So we're going to tackle them all. Let's dive in. And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee. This is The Drop Set. With your host, Darren Starr. Thanks for tuning in. I am Darren Starr, and I'm a full-time online prep coach and have been since 2012. You can check me out at 5starphysique.com and read about my coaching programs, check out workout programs that I have available, read articles, and most importantly, you can click on the podcast button at the top or go straight to thedropset.com to vote on the most recent poll question posted at the top of the page. It is really kind of hard to believe that I've been doing this since December of 2016, but here we are. We're over 200 episodes in, and we're still kicking. It's crazy stuff. Now, this show thrives on and exists only because of you, the listener. So I thank you for being here and also encourage you to contribute your questions and discussion topics. You can email me at darren at fivestarfitness.com or more easily, click on contact from fivestarphysique.com and submit your question in the form. You can also find me on social media at Darren underscore star on Instagram is probably the best way to go there. Please also give a rating, like, thumbs up, review, or whatever is appropriate for whatever platform you're listening to this on. And please share the episodes you like and tag me in your posts. I appreciate it tremendously, and it helps us here reach a bigger audience, which makes it more likely that I can nab higher-profile guests for future interviews. So, with that being said, let's get on with it. Ah, yes, let's get on with it. Hey, everybody, welcome to episode 220, I think, right? Here we go. Um, We're going to dive right in after a couple of quick little announcements here. Um, First of all, um, I apologize. Last week's episode, I realized there was some uh, crosstalk in the beginning. Um, I found that out... um, after I had posted it, and at that point, it's too late to fix it, so um, apologies. Basically, the whole uh, text of that announcement, if you couldn't make it out, um, was that, uh, first of all, last week's episode, 219, talking about natural bodybuilding, um, had uh, been recorded almost two weeks prior, and I actually just forgot to post it because I am clearly too dumb to be doing this. Um, and then I remembered, and then it still took me like another week to actually get it online. So that will not be happening. I'm going to get this up today. Knock on desk. Um, today's February 21st. So if you see this online today, it means I actually got my shit together and did it. So, um, a, a couple other announcements. Uh, one being that, um, the YouTube version of the drop set is going away. Uh, it's just, it's too much hassle. Nobody watches it. It got no views. It also, it's not really a format that's suitable for YouTube. If, um, for, for future interviews, I will still put those up on YouTube, but otherwise, um, it will be audio only. So you all have my undivided attention here. Uh, what else? Um, you might be curious to know if you haven't uh, seen it already. I posted a video of some work that I did. Um, I recently took a uh, 
short online filmmaking class and recorded a promotional video for my wife's art featuring her. She has an art show coming up here in Knoxville in a couple of weeks that she does every year. And so I wanted her just to make a promotional video for her, letting her talk about her art and um, showing her working on some stuff. And uh, it turned out really well. I was really happy with it and posted that, got a big reaction to it um, on her Facebook page when she posted it. It kind of blew up. Um, and I actually got another job coming up next week from somebody else who I know who has a Kickstarter project that she's looking to promote. And so I'm going to go and do a sit down interview with her and um, record a promotional video for her as well. So basically, I'm taking up another little side gig here just for fun. Um, but if anybody in the East Tennessee area is uh, in the market for some videography work, hit me up and let me know. Um, you know, depending on schedule, scheduling availability, et cetera, it might be a little tricky, but uh, it would be uh, be fun to see if we can make it work. So um, beyond that, what we're going to do is dive into some questions here. So I'm going to try my hand at a little live production work and see how this goes. So as I'm recording this, I'm going to drop a voicemail in here and uh, we're going to play it and see what happens. And with any luck, this will work. So um, now it's making it look like there's no audio in here. So we're going to try this and see what happens. Here we go. Hi, Darren. This is Christine from Virginia. Uh, I've been terrified to call you, but here I go. Oh, geez. Um, you had asked us to share resolutions at the end of December, and I'm very late with this, but here you go. Not right. sure what you can do with this. Um, my first one is to get back into my jewelry design habit. I got out of the habit during the pandemic for a variety of reasons, including it's a very solitary um, hobby to have, and I spent enough time in solitary during the pandemic. <laughs> solitary uh, my initial goal is to spend 15 minutes per day in my sketchbook, which is also my journal, and an hour a week at my bench. Um, I will increase that time in March probably to two to four hours at my bench uh, per week. Um, nice. The other thing I'd like to work on this year is being more self-confident and less deferential. I joined a professional organization about a week ago for um, colleagues in my field, and I'm going to attend training with them in late April, which will hopefully not only um, help me feel more self-confident about my skills, but also give me a network of like-minded colleagues. And then finally, I've been struggling with something very personal, not willing to share it. <laughs> Fair. with the universe on your podcast, but uh, I'm taking proactive steps to finally deal with it this week. And this actually directly affects my success in the gym and my lack of success with my diet, which you're very familiar with. I am. And that's all I have. Thanks. Bye. Super cool. All right. Thanks, Christine. I appreciate that. So, um, yes, Christine is a, a client of mine. Uh, so I knew that she had called in. I had not listened to that or, or read the transcript of it before. So, um, and that's exactly what I'm looking for with that kind of stuff. So um, that's the thing. It's like resolutions, they they can be whatever they need to be. Like, where do you want to see yourself a year down the road? And that might be related to fitness endeavors. It might have absolutely nothing to do with it. You know, I think I sh when I shared mine, most of them were not related to that. Um, since then, I've I've developed some more. I don't need to go into those now. None of it would really be earth-shattering to anybody out there. Um, but I love that. I think that's great. So more power to you. Absolutely. I'm going to try and drop in another one here and see what we got. So um, let me see. By the way, I forgot to shout this out at the top. 
865-518-6569 is the call-in number. Um, make it happen. Make it happen, people. Let's see what else we got here. Let's uh, drop this bad boy in here and go. Hey, Darren, it's Theron from Dallas. I uh, wanted to call in. Got a couple things, where one where I agree with you, one where I don't agree with you, and Uh-oh. then i got a question for you. Uh-oh. So first off, uh, last podcast you are talking about avoiding people in, in the grocery store. Always. Absolutely, man. I will like go way out of my way to avoid people, even those who aren't trying to give me free samples. So totally with you there. The thing I don't agree with you on is you were like super hyped about ghost uh, Swedish fish pre-workout. Uh-oh. Man, I bought that stuff. It is crap. I oh. hate it. it. Tastes like chemicals. So I have like I have most of a tub left. If you want, if you want it, just um, send me your address okay. uh, with my next check in, <laughs> uh, and I will send it to you gladly. It is all yours. Um, so my question is this: uh, during the off season or growth season, depending on what you want to call it, how soft is too soft to get? Like for me, for instance, right now I think I'm up about twelve and a half percent in weight. Um, and my pictures, obviously, you know, I, I look pretty soft compared to where I was in, on show day. So just want to know your thoughts on that, you know, and um, when you when when it might be time to start a cut, you know, not that I'm asking for one. Oh, I think <laughs> Don't you are. get me wrong. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, what what are you thinking? What are you looking for? Anyway, thanks. Um, love the podcast. Uh, working with you is awesome. So uh, there you go. Talk to you later. Awesome. Cool. Thanks, Theron. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all your pre-workout are belong to me, please. So that's what I do here. I offer recommendations on pre-workouts that I know that I will like and nobody else will. And then uh, I I convince people to send me what's left over. That's how this works. Yes. I'm, so I'm glad you're on to my little, my little scam. Um, <laughs> um, by the way, Theron, who you just heard, um, was kind enough to lend his guitar skills um, to us for... Uh, a song that we'll be putting out shortly here. So um, uh, my wife, who is our singer, actually, she is uh, sick with COVID currently. But as soon as she's back up on her feet, maybe after this, actually, she feels fine right now. She's just keeping her distance from me. Um, and once her art show is done, um, we, need, we need to re-record a final vocal for her on that song. And then we'll be putting it out so you can hear um, everyone in their full glory, Theron included. So um, as far as the question, like how... Uh, how soft is too stop, too soft? So there's some guidelines that I would put in place. Also understanding like it's a very individual thing. And um, like a lot of it, I, I might offer some guidelines, but a lot of that could be countered if you were to get blood work done and still show that things are pretty good. So um, the first guideline would be, do you feel gross? If that's the case, it's time to turn it around. Um, there are some exceptions to that. Like if you are a pro-level competitor and you just desperately need to put on more size and you have a, a time frame that you're kind of locked into and working with, like you just got to deal with being gross. That's fine. Just suck it up and deal with it, you know? So um, outside of that, I would say if you just feel kind of like, and gross might mean like I physically feel nasty, like, you know, my digestion is off. I'm just trying to put in too many calories. Ugh, that's one way. It could also be like, man, nothing fits anymore. And it's it's to the point where I can't even really laugh about it. It's like, no, it's just like I'm uncomfortable all the time. Or also, like, if you just look at yourself and you just see a big old blob and it's unmotivating, like, that can be, um, you know, there, there's things that you could do to work around that. Uh, but that could be another limiting factor as well. Uh, beyond that, if you want to like put a number on it, 
typically somewhere in the 15 to 17% body fat range for guys and somewhere in like the 23 to 27% body range for women is, um, you know, above that you're going to start getting some hormone fluctuations that are suboptimal for growth. So, um, those are the markers that I would put in place. And a lot of that, like don't get on a bioimpedance scale and check it just, you know, as a gut check, um, you know, and you work with your coach on this. Um, does it look like we're north of that? And if so, like, oh, okay, yeah, it looks like we're north of that, but we had some blood work done. Here's where the hormones are at. Everything looks okay. Eh, all right, cool, we're fine. Typically, um, north of that, you'll start to see some things kind of downregulate a little bit, and it can be, you know, definitely less optimal. And growth is hard, and you want to have everything in your favor as much as can be um, in order to get the most out of it. So if you are taking something significant like that, like if you're, if you're taking one of those variables, like your testosterone level is really low um, because of your body composition and then throwing that into the mix during a growth phase, man, you're, you're kind of setting yourself up for a bad time there. So at that point, yeah, a little mini cut to, to shed um, could be useful. And a mini cut also could be something where uh, it is, you know, fairly aggressive and fairly brief. Like, hey, we're going to try and drop, you know, eight pounds in a month and just see if we can clean up, get a little bit of that headroom back. And that'd be totally valid. Totally valid. So, all right, we do, in fact, have one more. And then I will be cleaned out of voicemail. So let's drop this bad boy in and see what we got. Hey, Darren, I'm just going to go for broke here and ask you two questions. What would you suggest for somebody who struggles with knee pain when performing reverse lunges, split squats of any variety, etc.? Secondly, do you have any tips or tricks you can share for somebody who struggles to perform the hip hinge and finds the movement unnatural? Thanks in advance. Okay, so yeah, we can we can do that. Now, uh I don't have any idea who you are, so I'm going to say mystery caller. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I'm going to make a note of this here. Um, knee pain uh, with, what do you say, reverse lunge, I think, something like that. And then hip hinge feels unnatural. So, um, all right, so I, I wrote myself a couple of notes there. Knee pain. So first of all, get it looked at. That's the first thing. And I think it would be uh, irresponsible of me to lead off with anything other than that. Like have somebody who knows and can actually put their hands on it um, and have you run a couple of quick assessments in person. Uh, actually take a look at it and see what it is because it might be something super benign. Um, like it could be anything from you have knee pain because your glutes are too tight and they're you know, something like in your hamstring, um, isn't getting, it's not releasing correctly because of how it's tied into your hip. And then therefore it's pulling funky on the back of your knee. And it's like, I've experienced that before with tight glutes where it feels very much like my meniscus is torn. Like it's that front of the, or not meniscus, patellar tendon is it's like that, that front of the knee under the kneecap kind of pain. Um, but it, you know, so don't think like, well, it hurts here. So it's gotta be related to X. Like it could be something super benign like that. And you just do a good solid two weeks of glute stretching and that pain starts to dissipate. And then you just maintain that it could be a tear or, or something like that as well. It could just be, you know, instability. So at, uh, with something like a reverse lunge, the first thing I would say, and this is pretty simple, is if a movement hurts, don't do it. And if you can replace that with a non-lunge movement that hits much the same target, 
um, that feels good on the knee, do that. And I would say do that immediately, even without having anybody else look at it. Like that is, you know, any kind of professional would tell you probably the same thing. So um, I guess I can take my headphones off now since I don't have to listen to any more voice notes, voicemails. Um, so, um, you get it looked at, but then also just, you know, simply remove the exercise. Like there's nothing special about a reverse lunge that can't be reproduced from doing anything else. Well, I don't know about anything else. Like you're not going to do a shoulder press and get the same benefit, but you know what I mean? Like there's plenty of equivalent exercises that you can do. And a lot of what I do as a coach is try and help people like diagnose stuff, but also like, well, in the meantime, you know, if that hurts, let's just do something else, you know, just replace it and substitute it out with something that feels good, feels productive. Cause I don't want you walking on eggshells, um, and like trying to, you know, like, okay, I'm going to do this movement, but I have to really watch my range of motion and I have to, you know, I can only go up so much in weight and I have to keep my rep range here. It's like, screw that. No, I want stuff that you feel confident on. Not that you can just be like completely and totally reckless and not have to worry about any of that stuff, but I want you to feel confident that you can do an exercise and, and push yourself without that knee giving you a bunch of shit in the process, right? So um, that would be the goal there. Um, now, a hip hinge feels unnatural. So um, I guess the question here is what hip hinge? Um, I mean, typically an RDL is what I would classify as a hip hinge. Could be a good morning. A hip thrust is a hip hinge as well. So um, the, the first thing that I would recommend is um, proprioception. So, you know, what are we trying to target with a hip hinge? Usually that's a hamstring exercise. Um, hamstring or glute, depending on how it's loaded, potentially a little bit of both. I find it's much easier to focus on, like I can do an RDL that's a little bit more glute focused. I can do an RDL that's that's much more hamstring focused. It's hard for me to effectively do one that hits both of them equally. Like it's hard to, you know, squeeze everything properly on all the reps and really engage in a stretch for multiple muscle groups at the same time. So I'd say pick one and try to target that. So let's, uh, the, the first thing would be like, what are you trying to target? I would say with something like an RDL, I can't tell you how many times I've seen a video of somebody performing an RDL um, that everything looks great, but they're just not feeling it. So it's just a lack of engagement. Um, it Most exercises do feel unnatural the first few times you do them. Um, like, you know, what what's natural about a straight arm pull down, you know? Nothing. When, when do you do that movement in nature? What feels natural about a leg extension? Nothing. When do you ever do that movement just walking around? You don't. Um, so same thing, like an RDL, that, that one is a little bit more practical <laughs> um, in that, you know, if you wanted to bend over and pick something up, you could conceivably do an RDL type motion for that. But it's still, it's like, yeah, it's unnatural. The trick is it's targeting stuff that's behind you that you can't really see engage. It's hard to feel. There are muscle groups that are commonly tight in people, so they aren't necessarily releasing and activating the right way. So the first thing that I would do is honestly just some isometric work to try and get the hamstrings engaged, like stretch the muscle and then work on trying to squeeze the muscle in a fixed position. So for example, here's a good exercise. And by that, I mean drill to go through. If you're seated right now without moving anything on your body, flex your hamstrings. I'm doing it right now. I mean, okay, my leg wiggles a little bit when I do it. It jumps, but, you know, I'm not, like, moving my foot on the floor or anything like that. I'm not, I'm not changing the angle at my knee, but I'm flexing my hamstring just as I sit here. Now, if you stand up, can you do the same thing? Can you flex your hamstring from a standing position? 
without again without changing the angle of your knee without picking your foot up off the ground what you're trying to do it's kind of like you know can you can you squeeze your bicep if your if your elbow is fully extended and fully straight can you squeeze your bicep that's a little easier cuz you can look at it you can see it tense up you can put your finger on it you can see if it if it if it if it hardens up as well and then if you bring it to like you know your elbow at 90 degrees so half flexed you know can you squeeze your bicep there yeah, bicep's a little bit of an easier one a hamstring can be a difficult thing to engage with. And if you can't flex it, chances are you're not going to be able to properly engage it when you're trying to work it in an exercise as well. Um, and I, there isn't really even a, a good corollary to this because you could say, well, I can feel it working on a seated, um, leg, a seated leg curl or a lion leg curl. Yeah, that's a knee flexion exercise. The hamstring works in both knee flexion and hip extension. So they're, they're really like different languages being spoken by the same, same group of people. Um, just because you know one doesn't necessarily mean you know the other. So if, you're, if your knee flexion movements are dialed in, I would say put more of your focus on those while you try and drill getting better at hip extension awareness on the hamstring. And I would say just being able to flex it in space is a good start. Stretch it as well. And then um, go through a body weight rendition of the exercise with your hands on your hips and make sure that your pelvis is actually like turning forward. You know, do the whole trick where you visualize your pelvis as a bucket of water. You're trying to pour water out of the front of that bucket. Um, When you do that, you have this anterior pelvic tilt that's going to pull your hamstrings up on the back and cause them to be stretched earlier on in the process. And if you can get that stretch to engage and you can feel it, it's a little bit easier to then dig your heels into the ground and and really use those hamstrings to pull you back up. And again, being able to flex the hamstring from any kind of uh, uh, rested position at any angle is a huge help there as well. So something to think about. And of course, if there was a video in play where I could kind of see what you're doing, I would absolutely look at that too and see if um, you'll see what that looks like. Okay. Um, Switching gears a little bit. Once again, 865-518-6569. Call in, please. Um, I'm not going to beg, but I will, I will totally beg. I will totally beg. Um, I am a member of a Facebook group also. I'll shout it out right now. It's uh, first time. Uh, well, I should get it right if I'm going to shout it out. Hold on. I can't remember the exact name. Uh, first time bikini and bodybuilding competitors. Okay. So I am the only guy in this group as a coach. Other than that, it's all bikini and figure, the occasional physique competitor in here. Um, mostly first timers. Um, there is another group that is. Um, a kind of a subset of this one where um, it's for people who have competed before. It's they consider like a graduating group. Um, what I did is I just went through um, for the past handful of days and just wrangled up five questions here that were just posed in the group. Um, and a lot of these I, I answered. My, my role in that group is, is technically I'm classified as a group expert, so I get a little tag on my name. Um, and I'll, I'll chime in just to answer questions and offer input, advice, and feedback. Um, but uh, it's it's a nice little community that they built there. It's pretty cool. So um, here is uh, we're just going to start these questions here, and I'm I'm gonna I I read these briefly, but I haven't I haven't thought about them too deeply. Um, so I'm gonna dive through now, and we're gonna we're gonna see what we see. So first question here, quote. I've got 60 pounds to lose to get to the estimated stage weight for my height. I'm deciding between doing macros on my own or a cheaper version of the old Weight Watchers Plus program for the first 50 pounds and then paying for a coach to help me with the last 10 during a prep. Did a strategy like this work for any of you or did you really not see any progress until you worked with a coach? So, um, of course, 
as a coach, I'm going to have a very biased answer here. Um, but uh, here's the thing. You're going to do that for the – well, let's just break this down from the beginning. 60 pounds to lose to get to the estimated stage weight for your height. Um, there is no such thing. Um, you can find a more common stage weight for your height, but there's some variability in that. So first of all, we've got kind of a flawed goal right from the get-go. Um, so uh, for the first 50 pounds, like how long do you want that to take? Because uh, if, if you do it on your own, I mean, clearly there's no, no guarantee that that's ever going to happen, right? I mean, you've got to put in the work. And if you struggle through it on your own, like how much work are you willing to put in and maybe work suboptimally, maybe work too damn hard and, and not get the response that you're looking for um, before you just get sick and quit? Right. I mean, so um, I'm always going to advocate for working with a coach. I, I work with plenty of people who uh, are not necessarily what they would consider to be like, you know, ready to prep for a show. And a lot of cases they're right. But that's fine. Like this is a pre prep phase. And what you want to do is start developing good habits early on. And you can do that on your own. But there's always the question of like, what am I missing? You know, and my thought, you know, budget aside, you've got to be able to afford a coach. I totally get that. So there could be some budgetary concerns here. So if we just flush that aside for a second here, um, for the amount of work that goes into something like this, like with meal prep, with following the diet regularly, with doing cardio, with, uh, with hitting workouts five, six days a week, every week, endlessly, um, like, isn't it worth it to have a professional guide you along that just to make sure that you're getting the most value that you can out of the time that you invest into it? Again, like I said, a very biased answer, and it's hard for me not to slip into like used car salesperson mode when answering a question like that. But, you know, the, the, it could be the difference between those first 50 pounds. Um, you know, you, you might toil away at that for a year and drop 20 pounds and be like, what the hell's going on? Versus, you know, depending on, you know, who you get as a coach. Um, you could spend four weeks working on this and, um, depending on what happens, your coach might make a determination like there's something wrong here. You need to go in for blood work and find some major hormone imbalance and we get, get that fixed. And then suddenly everything takes off. That never would have happened if you're on your own, if you don't know what to look for on certain things. So, um, the value that a coach can bring to the process is tremendous if you hire a good coach. So, um, next quote again, quoting, for all the competitors, after show day, do you keep up this regime? Um, I think they mean like regiment, because a regime is like a, a government, right? So uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to fact, fact check myself on that, but I think. Um, it, it reminds me, as, as a quick aside here, as I'm, I'm learning Italian and going through that, I'm up to almost a one-year streak on my Duolingo app. And I find myself like getting confused between all these words, like, man, this word's so similar to this word. How do you remember this? And then I realized like, oh yeah, so many people in native English speakers get words wrong all the time. So it probably doesn't really matter all that much. <laughs> I just, it's, it's always good to get a little, little perspective like that. Um, so do you, uh, do you keep up this re regime, regiment, um, protocol, plan, whatever for all the competitors? Um, so I, I would answer this question, like, what is the expectation? The expectation would be, you know, what is the plan in question that we are asking if we keep up, if it's prep, I mean, no, Hell no, you, can, you don't stay in prep. Now, you can keep doing a lot of the same things, but the variables will necessarily change, right? The whole point about prep is you get yourself into your leanest possible condition that is not designed to be maintained, and you peak there for a day, 
and then you start to back off from that. Now, some people back off from that catastrophically and very aggressively and have a really bad rebound. So those are the people that would answer that question. No, I don't keep up with this protocol. I, I can't keep saying regime. I'm, I just know it's wrong. Um, so, you know, you, you've got to... What's the best analogy for this? You've got to keep driving the car. You're just going to drive it on different roads, right? Like the the prep is like you're on the interstate the whole way. Uh, you're you're going to you're trying to take the fastest route to get to where you're trying to go. This is a terrible analogy, but I'm just going to roll with it. Um, once you're the show is gone, like get off the interstate and take some back roads. You know, enjoy some more sights. Stop for you know a drink every now and then. You know, take a break, get out, stretch your legs. You know, you're not in such a damn hurry. You know, not everything has to be perfect. It's it's not it's not all about making the best time you possibly can. You can you know work work in some like oh I'm gonna take a little detour here for a day and go visit the Grand Canyon because you know I'm on I-40. I might as well you know it's just a little bit out of the way. Sure. Versus if you're on prep, no, you can't do that. A detour would be like, you know, taking a, a weekend vacation and not tracking your meals. No, I'm sorry. You got a schedule to meet. No, we can't do that. We're on prep. Come on. The, the schedule rule, rules everything. It, it's like the, the belligerent dad on family vacation. No, we can't stop. We got to make time. We got to make time. Well, okay. Instead, in the off season, um, it's a dad who's maybe had, you know, a, a good chunk of CBD. And he's not driving the car, but he's going to call the shots on where you stop. And he's going to be up for stopping every now and then. We still got to, we still got to, you know, still got to go down the road. We still got to get to where we're going eventually, but we could take our time with it. Um, so, yeah, the, the, pro, the variables absolutely need to change. But uh, the general framework, like going to the gym, kind of following some kind of a diet, maintaining a little bit of cardio, you know, prioritizing fitness-related things in life. Yeah, that absolutely cha- that absolutely continues, 100%. 100%. Um, okay, uh, somebody says, I know it's been posted here, but can't find it anymore. Sorry, quote, retroactive to that last sentence. I need tips on loose skin and how I can help tighten it. I've lost a lot of weight, and it literally hangs around the bikini string around the hip area. I've heard Preparation H and VasoDry. Not sure if anyone's tried that. Thanks in advance. This is an easy one. None of that shit works. So um, in my experience, there are no products that fix loose skin. Um, Like, if you've got loose skin, you've got loose skin. There's just too much of it, and you need to get it surgically removed if, if it's something that you're concerned about. Um, if you've got skin that's a little stretchy or something like that, not, not really loose skin, but just like, eh, you could try and manipulate that with products that will impact your water retention or maybe even blood flow to an area, but it's a temporary solution that's only going to be working for as long as you maintain that product. Um, Preparation H was mentioned because it had, oh, up until like the 90s, I think, um, an ingredient, uh, what was it? Is it betadine? I think I might be close to correct on that um an ingredient that uh that had like a a water um anti-water retention element to it um in the u.s version of the product that is gone um the canadian version of the product has that still but people don't know that so you still find bodybuilders who buy preparation h and slather up their midsections with it thinking it's making them tighter and they'll actually be like no it works it works i'm like "Uh, sorry it doesn't you're delusional you, that's the it's the ultimate validation of the concept of a placebo effect is what it is. 
So, um, yeah, Vasodry, no, I think that works. Uh, I think that uses capsaicin, um, which, again, is just a, a blood flow stimulator, which can help things appear tighter in the short term. But, again, it's an acute effect, and as soon as you stop using it, it goes away. So it's not a solution for any of this. Surgery is the, is the, is the only thing that actually does anything. So uh, that's an easy one. Uh, next up, quote, <clears throat> Does anyone have any opinions or recommendations on these mocktails that are coming out? I think my phone hears me when I'm talking about my going on two months of sobriety. Side note, cool props there. Um, which to many of you might not seem like a lot, but it is for me and anyone on our family. I have read reviews on different brands, but looking for real people opinions, or even if you all think they're a bad idea, I'm not in the process of cutting yet. I'm at a 1700 calorie intake with my coach right now about a pack of recess and Hyo. I guess those are brands. Um, the recess made my skin break out for some reason. And I did like the Hyo. So, um, yeah. So the, the answer to this question is, um, you know, ask your coach. <laughs> if, if you've got a coach, ask, ask your coach what their opinion is. So if you were me and ask my opinion, um, I would say like, eh, you know, it's, uh, I mean, I, I looked at the nutritional facts for some of these and they're like, you know, what, like 20 calories, something like that. A few carbs, a few added sugars, some sugar alcohols. So whatever. I mean, it's fine. You, you get the same kind of macros from a, you know, sugar-free energy drink, something like that. Um, it's just they're designed to, you know, simulate alcoholic drinks. So whatever, you know, they're, they're not zero calorie, but they're, um, very reasonable. That being said, um, the sugar alcohols for some people can cause a problem. The added sugars aren't a great idea. So, you know, if, if you get down to the point where you're at 12 or 1300 calories and you have like two of those a day, it's not completely insignificant. If it tanks your prep, you're you're probably screwed already. Um, I think they can be a. Um, I mean, my my maybe not super popular opinion on this is that that can be something that could really throw a semblance of normalcy into a prep. And if you need something like that periodically, um, I think that can be kind of cool. So yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't give anybody too much crap for that. I think that's. Um, you know, you can do without it, but at the same time, you know, we can do without a lot of things. It doesn't mean necessarily have to. So, you know, pick your, pick your battles, take your sacrifices where you feel the need to take them. And if you want to have one of these, you know, don't let anybody give you shit for it. That's fine. Um, alcohol will fuck up your prep. Absolutely. Low calorie drinks that are kind of designed to simulate the taste of an alcoholic drink. That's fine. There's nothing, nothing wrong with that at all. Okay, y'all, this is hilarious. So um, I was, uh, I, I just stopped re recording because I was getting some texts on my phone. I wanted to check them out really quick. And it was my wife texting me from upstairs. Hi, I didn't know you were listening up there. <laughs> she says, after that last conversation, she's a fan of Aplos Mocktail. It's expensive, but good stuff. No or low sugar, yummy, tastes complex. Okay, Interesting. Interesting. So um, there you go. That's, that's from an expert. So um, because I have not tried any of these, so um, I, would, I would take it from somebody who has. So I'm going to look this up. Aplos is a software company, but they are also Aplos Drink. What do we got here? Okay. So, oh, they, they come in big bottles. Okay. Um, functional non-alcoholic spirits. Okay. What do we got? Shop all. Sure. Why not? So they're in big black bottles infused with hemp, infused with adaptogens. She says, good to add a little seltzer. 
She's still listening. Okay. Uh, <laughs> interesting. Okay. Aplos. A-P-L-O-S. The O has a little accent over it, but I don't, you don't have to type that in. So there you go. Okay. From, uh, from an expert. There you go. Um, okay. Last question that I have here. I, I picked out five of these. This is number five here. So, quote, uh, I'm in week seven, and I'm not seeing any weight dropping on the scale. Week seven of what? I'm assuming like week seven of prep. I don't know. That's an aside. Returning to the quote, I'm eating a ton of protein and have definitely increased my weights, but at what point should the scale reflect some weight loss? It is definitely discouraging. I have 21 more weeks. Jesus. And I'm currently at 147 pounds, have a long way to go, and it seems little tangible progress. So this is, I would say, in a nutshell, um, probably one of the most common things I see in people posting on this group, people that I work with, like, yeah. And so what, what I did here, and I remember responding to this um, uh, in the group, and I kind of picked apart the question a little bit and, you know, in, in a constructive way, but kind of informing like how, as a coach, how I read this. So week seven and not seeing any weight dropping on the scale. Cool. Show me your data because I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say like, nothing's happening when we're steadily losing a pound a week. Um, but it's just because of the way the numbers look, it doesn't necessarily look like it, but when you run the averages, there's definitely a loss happening. And if it's like a, a half a pound a week, that ain't nothing, especially if you still have 21 more weeks to go for whatever this is. Um, then a uh, half pound a week might be totally appropriate. Um, the next, eating a ton of protein. I'm, okay, I'm sorry. So you're eating 2,000 pounds of protein? Uh, you know, get specific. How much? And how many carbs? How many fats? You know, how much protein you eat? Excuse my language. Doesn't matter for fuck. You know, every, everything else. I don't know why I said excuse my language. Like I've never cussed on this podcast before. Um I mean, it's the whole picture that matters. How much protein you eat is one tiny little element of it. There's just so much more to consider. Like, that tells me absolutely nothing about your diet. Um, so, uh, the, and also, like, what's your caloric intake at? You know, are you at a diet where we should be seeing progress? Uh, a, a lot of times people, you know, I, I might start somebody at a caloric intake of like, you know, 17, 1800, something like that, um, just to kind of see how they're responding to it. And if they're dropping like a pound and a half a week at that intake, I'm like, I'm good with that. I mean, again, depending on how far out they are, you know, if we're starting at 10 weeks out, first of all, that's way too late to be starting. Um, but also it's like, mm, okay, probably not good enough for then. Uh, so, but at 21 weeks out, yeah, that might be totally fine. Um, and said, uh, have definitely increased my weights. I'm assuming they're talking about, um, you know, on lifts in the gym. Um, okay. So definitely increased weights. Like to what extent, what kind of increases are you seeing? Um, I also had questions like how long have you been training? Are you new to the gym right now? Um, you know, I, I get the sense that this person is a little bit more of a beginner simply because a lot of the data is missing. Like an experienced person who is asking this question would probably, um, have data to throw at it. Like I started here with weight and now I'm here, um, on scale weight. My macros are set for this. I'm hitting them hundred percent. Here's some photos of where I was and where I am right now. There were no photos attached to this at all. So um, at what point should the scale reflect some weight loss? It depends on all of these things. Like how is your plan set up? At 21 weeks, you got a lot of time to go. Currently 147 pounds, that number means absolutely nothing in a vacuum. That is the most worthless um, piece of all this. And again, I'm not trying to pick this person apart. I didn't put names on any of this stuff. Um, 
just because I'm not trying to call anybody out for a bad question, but um, there's definitely a lot of data missing in this question for sure. So long way to go, and it seems a little tangible progress. Seems, but maybe not. Again, it, it really depends on how the plan is constructed and, uh, and what it's designed to be doing. Uh, you know, if somebody is, you know, I, I usually have an idea of where somebody's weight's going to be on stage. That idea is sometimes off just because everybody responds to prep differently, especially if it's your first time. You just don't know. Um, so for this person, I wouldn't necessarily say, you know, what should now maybe this person is four foot 11 and not carrying a ton of muscle and they need to be 95 pounds on stage. At that point, I'd be like, yeah, but again, what's your plan set up for? Um, you know, if your if your plan isn't set up to be dropping, you know, uh, two pounds a, a week or more, um, that's a problem. And you might need to look at adjusting the date or adjusting the plan and seeing if you can get that kind of response out of your body. But banking on a two pound um, per week loss is pretty aggressive and probably isn't going to happen over the long term. So it just depends. And maybe this is somebody who um, needs to come up on stage at like 128, in which case, you know, they've got 21 more weeks and they've got 19 pounds to cover. That's 100 percent doable. And uh, if they're seeing, you know, negligible loss right now, that might be fine. I also don't know if this person is working by themselves or with a coach. Of course, if they're working in with a coach, the question, the answer is write this email to your coach. Don't post it on a forum, um, you know, and, and make sure that, um, and I, I think in, in my response to this, I, I kind of said that I said, are you working with a coach? And if so, um, what do they say when you bring this up to them? Because they should say all the things that I just did. And the, the thing that I offered to her was if they say, just trust the process, fire that coach. Um, because it's the job of a coach to put your mind at ease about this stuff and kind of, yeah, explain it to you. Like, why are we doing, it is okay to ask those questions. Like, why are we doing this? And what should I be expecting right now? You know? How is that an unfair question? A, a coach 100% needs to answer that question. So, um, yeah. Uh, so ask those questions of your coach. And the answer that they give you will tell you a lot about how they view their role. And a lot of coaches just view their role as like, I write the program, you do it, you shut up and you don't answer, you don't ask questions. Um, which I would say, that's not a program. And that's something that, you know, realistically, you could probably get that from an AI chatbot. So... <laughs> <laughs> not not super helpful. So anyway, that's it. That's all I got. So 220 is in the books. We did it. 865-518-6569. I think I need to, uh, that's the number I've been saying here. I need to double check that and make sure that's actually correct. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. What is it? Uh, 865-518-6569. Hey, I got it. Awesome. All right. I was right the whole time. So, um, I need your calls. I need your questions. Otherwise I'm going to keep scouring that Facebook group and just post questions from there. Nobody wants that, right? We can do better. We can do better, right? We can do that. Please, please. So, um, thank y'all for listening. I appreciate it. And I'll catch you next week.